the pride of Limerick, a young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 143 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan and with me, like every week, is the Georgia Toffolo of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald. And we've got a big week this week. Obviously, we weren't here last week, so we'll be looking back at UFC uh, 218 and that, that huge card. We'll be talking about the new flyweight champion of the world. Uh, we're going to talk about GSP as well and him relinquishing the title this week and Robert Whitaker being the new uh, UFC middleweight champion and his fight against Luke Rockhold, Cub Swanson card versus um, versus uh, T-City this weekend, T-City coming out obviously with a very very good win there, we're going to look back at that, uh, McKinsey Dern fought as well, and Invicta, we're going to talk about that, and there's a couple of good cards next week, uh, Bellator and Bama are co-promoting over Newcastle in England, and there's a huge fight between Rafael Dos Anjos and Robbie Lawler, so we're probably not going to get to all of that, I've said it now, so we're going to try, this might be a five hour podcast, so bear with us, Graham, how are things? Good, good. I'm back from London. I was over in London for the weekend, but uh, I uh, managed to catch most of the most of the fights back. So uh, yeah, um, didn't seem like the best card, but there was a, there was a few good fights on it. Mm-hmm. Did you see any of the soccer over the weekend? Yeah, I did. Yeah, fucking hell. Well, I think we'll just leave it this week. It's like soccer's finished anyway. No, I never really <laughs> liked the sport of soccer. And, you know, I'm more of an MMA fan. Well, a bit of hurling yeah, now well, and I, then. Don't read. Really, never really like the Champions League draw. Who did Man United get actually? Liverpool got Porto. Sevilla, PSG ah, against nice, Real Madrid. Nice. That's some time. What did you think of the two goals in the Liverpool game? I, I wanted to get your opinion on them. Do you think? Do you think either of them should have been a goal? In which game? Everton game. The penalty. Yeah, and the Salah push. The Salah push. <laughs> push. Um, now I think uh, uh, if you're giving penalties for for ever so slight nudges, like uh, it's going to be a disaster of a game every time a corner or a set piece or any kind of thing happens, it's going to be a penalty. If they're going to be consistent about it, then fair enough. Um, people will stop doing it in in a few weeks' time when they when they get the message. But uh, just to to handpick at the odd time is is a bit is a bit odd. Yeah, I thought the two decisions were kind of very weird because if you're given that as a push, then the Salah one is 100% a push because that's a way bigger push. So I think the Salah one was a free and I think the Liverpool one wasn't a penalty. So I think it should have been really a nil-all game. But yeah, it was a pretty terrible game and bad refereeing. Bad refereeing the Man United game as well. Gabriel Jesus obviously should have been sent off for two bookable offences. Kyle Walker as well should have been sent off for diving a second time. But he books Herrera when he gets touched and he, he goes down for diving. But Herrera's been working on the, the, the judo some good arm drags out of him anyway he's always I fucking hate her area. he's so useless like oh he's the worst player ever average under he's worse than Adam Lallana like they're the same player the two of them Adam Lallana's way better than her area he's not he's fucking is Adam Lallana fit he was fit there like months ago and he hasn't played what's crap no I think they're just going to ease him back in because he's been out for so long he's been well, that was an absolute like two penalties for no reason in the last two games in the Premier League is a bit ludicrous. Like, but uh, well, you can see why he gave the one on Lovren though, because Lovren was stupid. Like, your man was obviously well, playing for it. Your, Lovren your, your kind of barged into your man, kind of stopped in front of him and like forced the contact himself, and it was the minimalist contact. And then he just flung himself on the ground. But you know, you, you, these things happen. You, you need to put away your chances. One uh, 0 is always a dangerous lead, especially with uh, the horrendous standard of refereeing in the Premier League. But uh, Liverpool won 7 0 in the, in the real shit against Spartak Moscow, a team who beat Sevilla 5 1. So uh, Man United should have a nice uh, 
nice mm. path through to the quarterfinal. Yeah, when you have a fucking a literal donkey up front playing for you, I don't think there's going to be any easy path through to the final. I hate, I hate Romelu Lukaku. You can put that on record here. If, he's if, the if worst they, Man they, United signing of all time. You can figure out which goal he's aiming for. That'll be that'll be best. He almost got a goal last week in the game. That was a great save. Uh, actually, yeah, that was the best save, save of them all. I thought, to be honest. Yeah. Two two assists this week against Man City. People say he doesn't affect affect the big games. I, I think he's proven that he does. He's effective. Well, he's a flat track bully and. Yeah, usually, but uh, in the big games, he's uh, he's I don't know what the hell he was doing there, but uh, he'd want to sort it out soon. Zlatan be breathing down his neck soon enough. He's clean, useless, clean, useless. Right, let's get into to the MMA. And before we get into the cards and stuff, I just kind of want to have a, a general the feeling your feelings towards MMA these days. I was, I was kind of thinking about it over the weekend, and there's like so many MMA cards this these days, and at the weekend, you know, there was. I think you know a couple of weekends ago there was like one FC. Then you had two the UFC two eighteen. You had the tough finale card. You have the Cub Son against T City. You had the Bellator, Bellator as well last week. You have Bellator next week. There's just cards after cards after cards after cards, and it kind of hit me because I was after UFC two eighteen. I was kind of oh that was you know that was a good card and some people were saying like this is the one of the best cards of all time like two seventeen two eighteen was the best two stretch uh, two two stretch pay per view card ever ever and I was like maybe it was I don't know but I just seemed a bit down on it and I think that's just because there's too much MMA and stuff but you're you're the type of person and we spoke about this before who like you like loads of MMA and stuff but are you even getting dragged down a little bit by it now or are you do you still have the joie de vivre for all the MMA well like uh, yeah I know what you, there is there, like back in 10 years ago when, or longer when we started watching it or the UFC was kind of every three weeks maybe every month now it's you might have two cards in a weekend, and one of them might be an absolutely terrible card that should be an Invicta card, but is disguised as a as a UFC card, mm-hmm. which uh, is, I think is kind of bad for the brand. People used like used used to be that if the UFC was on, you knew there was going to be at least a couple of really good, really good, uh, really good matchups in, on the card, on the top of the card at least. Like UFC two eight two one eight was brilliant, absolutely. So was two seventeen. But then that that tough finale was poor. It didn't even like the coach. The coach's fight being on that would have really helped it. Um, mm-hmm. but it just it was just a really bad card, a really bad standard. Um, I used to I used to never miss a, U, a UFC live. Like you got to make sure you go out of your way to to see it. But there is, there is some cards that you can pick and choose now where you're you're just like oh, I'll catch the the couple of fights that actually matter back tomorrow and don't have to sit through uh, hundred million ads. Yeah, that that was my, me at the weekend. I was like, oh, I have an episode of I'm a Celebrity here to watch. I'll just watch that and said, like, four <laughs> points. Like, I, I, honestly, I like, I, oh, I, I, these undercard fights, I have no interest in seeing them anymore. Like, before, I used to know something about everyone on a UFC card, but it's, there's just too much. But I think that's the way kind of society in general is going. Like, like even if you look at, say, TV shows and stuff, look at, like, Netflix, Amazon Prime, then the, the normal TV stations as well. There's shows after shows after shows. There's hundreds of shows that you can watch now. You just can't get around to watch you, you want to watch. Like, I just started watching Breaking Bad there last week. Like, I haven't seen it in ages. I could watch 10 more box sets of shows, and it's just watchable impossible to keep people up with everyone. I think the I think the UFC are kind of doing that uh, in a way and, and it's not just the UFC because it's all all MMA. Like before these cards wouldn't be broadcast or they wouldn't you know they wouldn't be they'd be hard to get anyway. You might have someone you know sitting there streaming them to, to watch them. I remember 
watching in Russia, and it wasn't even that long ago. It was after his strike force fight and stuff. I was like, I don't think there was like anyone watching. It. it was like four or five people on Twitter and stuff watching it. And like, if that was happening nowadays, there'd be fucking you'd have Grabak Hitman, and there'd be five hundred people retweeting his his knockout tweet of it and stuff. And I, I don't know, it's, it's and I think people like Bellator and the UFC and stuff are putting out just so much content that they know some people will watch it and some people will tune into it. And it's more about quantity these days than quality, I think. And that's it's a shame in one way because I think it's hurting the hardcore fan base, but it's helping them, I think, because they just have people kind of falling into it. And you'll have a certain amount of people who watch everything. Like we, I know, you know, we skip a few fights and stuff, but we always we watch the events. We watch, you know, every main event, every main card anyway. But it's. I think that's just an interesting thought. I think, especially this time of the year, when there's just so many cards. Like, I I think like this year it's happened where there's a UFC event like ten times in a row or eight times in a row or something like that. That's absolute madness. Like, it's absolutely. I think it's it's madness altogether. But I digress. Yeah, they just don't Let's, have the the yeah. stars or the quality to to put on this many cards and for them mm-hmm. to be to be stacked enough to for for casuals to tune in and for, as you say, some hardcores. I think the people used to say, oh, UFC will sell two or 300,000 pay-per-views guaranteed no matter what with the hardcore fan base. But I don't think that's true anymore. Like, uh, it definitely isn't. Like, you look at some of the the, num- the pay-per-view numbers Dave Meltzer is putting out and they're below that, even even with certain fighters that maybe the hardcores would like on or would uh, would be fans of on the, on the card. So I think there's definitely a... Um, a waning interest uh in in these smaller cards i think when when they first started putting on 40 50 cards a year i think a lot of people were excited about it because it was because it was new but it just become after a few years of it it's just become there just isn't enough talent for these cards and people are becoming a little fed up and a lot of the time when when these kind of subpar cards are on you do, people are just moaning about how many ads there are more than talking about the fights or just you know yeah. it's it's there's for people to sit through six hours of, of constant ads. You, you want you want to have good, exciting fights that they, they they're looking forward to coming up in order to keep them entertained. Hundred percent. Right. Let's get into one of those cards from last weekend. Um, UFC Fresno, obviously. And we we'll t- let's talk about the main event first. And here's the question I want to put to you, Graham: Is Brian Ortega the Derek Lewis of featherweight? No, he's way more talented than than like he's brilliant yeah, at jiu-jitsu. Like, like he like that the way he readjusted yeah. that and the way like w- w- was beautiful. Like he is really dangerous on the ground. Um, or in the submissions, standing obviously a standing guillotine or a jump to guillotine. But uh, yeah, he, he, he I think he needs to have more urgency to get it to the ground. He's kind of happy enough just to, to trade punches and ever so slight or just kind of lose out on a striking battle he, he did he, he obviously initiated the, the the takedown or initiated the clinch that he got the guillotine from in the end but he could have he could have attempted that earlier and even if he hadn't even if he hadn't been able to secure a takedown or or, or uh, clinch with, with Cobb he would have had Cobb worried about it more and would have taken away from his striking I think as well but when you when you get the job done you finish a guy like you know job done so like I don't think he's too worried about that when I say like to Derek Lewis, I mean like he's losing fights and then he he goes and wins them out of nowhere. I think that's kind of where my comparison, like obviously the, the featherweight and the heavyweight, if you're comparing them, the featherweights are always going to be more skilled anyway. But let's get off that. Brian Ortega is a very weird fighter. He's one of those fighters. He's a bit like a Stoke City back in the day or something that they can beat one of the big teams. They can go out and they can beat it or else they'll get whooped by him. You know, I think he's one of those guys he he is limited as a fighter he his stand-up isn't great at all i think he's a kind of a good jab but he doesn't throw much behind it 
So you're, you're, basically more, you're basically saying the, the question is, can somebody like Conor McGregor do it on a, a rainy night uh, against Brian Ortega? <laughs> exactly, that's exactly what I mean. Can Max Holloway do it on a rainy night against Brian Ortega? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I hope. I that, but there's a, the, Lionel Messi, the, the best player ever. Uh, they, they used to say, oh, yeah, he's good in Spain, but could he do it on a rainy night in Stoke where they're just lobbing balls up? But, like, of course he could, but that used to be the kind of stupid criticism of him. Cody does never done it. We have, we, how do we know until he's done it? Well, if Mo Salah can do it, I think uh, Messi can do it. Oh, don't talk about him anymore. I hate Mo Salah. But anyway, yeah, look, <laughs> Ortega, I really, really think he, well, Ortega is he is one of those guys that can, he could go in and he could beat Max Holloway, but he could also get destroyed by Max Holloway because he's limited as a fighter, you know? And it, it's weird. It's a weird thing to say after such a good win and after, you know, after such... Um, after such a kind of a win streak that he's on, you know, he's won what one, two, three, four, five, five fights in a row since he failed the drugs test uh, for Drosanlon, which is, you know, that's as PD as BDs can get, you know. So I, I think people must take that into account as well. But he's beaten kind of good guys, you know. He's beaten Diego Brando, Clay Guida, Hinata Moicano, and now uh, Cub Swanson as well. So there's, you know, there's enough food there in Diego to obviously before. So you know, he he has to be respected, but. It, it is a weird one because we talked about it a few weeks ago after I tweeted and I kind of said that, you know, one dimensional fighters are dead. And they are, I think. Anyway, and that's why I fear for Brian Ortega because he's going to have to add more to his game, I think, if he's fighting a Max Holloway or, you know, if he fought at Jose Aldo or, you know, if Jose Aldo can recapture a bit or a Frank Yeager or something like that. Cub Swanson is a guy who's, I believe, every fight he's lost in the UFC has been by submission. So there's an obvious weakness there. I still thought Cub Swanson would be smart enough to, to keep it on the feet um, and, and to stay away from him, but he wasn't. And it's just, it does show how tricky uh ortega actually is to, to be able to do that to someone you know as good as cub swanson and it, it was definitely an impressive win but th- i think it's important as well to talk about those frailties it, it, would you agree with that or do you think when you're when, like he's definitely not like not that good on the feet but he's he, he's that de- i think he's improving I, but I, obviously, I think his his jujitsu is is go, always going to be his go to uh, for 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 winning fights. Uh, no matter how much he improves on the feet, I can't, I can't see him ever catching up with jujitsu because it is it is elite jujitsu, and the way he wrapped up that that submission on on Cobb and readjusted it was was really really nice. And even Cobb saying afterwards that he thought he was going to die in that submission, so it must have been seriously tired. Yeah, I thought um, it was a obviously in the first round that happened where they were in the clinch. And he, you know, he wrapped up Cub's neck and almost got him in, uh, I think it was a Darce choke. Uh, and then the second round, he did kind of the same thing. And actually, before they came up to it, I think I, I, the thing about Brian Ortega is as well, a bit of nasty in him as well. You know, he has, a, you know, he's failed the drugs test as we've seen before. He's, you know, he's, he's done little things here. He he did eyeball Cub a little bit and then went for the takedown and got into that clinch. Now he was struggling a little bit in that second round on the feet and he was struggling to get in close because uh, Cub was very cognizant of it after the end of the first round where he almost choked him out. And I think there was that little bit of nasty. He also held the choke on a little bit more at the end. So there is that little bit in it, which, which all, you know, most of the great fighters have. But yeah, as you were saying there, I, I think that, you know, the way he kicked off the cage, readjusted and kicked off the cage again to keep Cub away from it was just unbelievable. He's so, so dangerous on the ground. 
Yeah, if we just showed that urgency <clears throat> to get the clinch and get the submission game going, like he kind of took him for his nose to be bloody down for him to eat a good few shots in a row for him to initiate that, and like he should he should be doing what Maya's doing and just when he can get the go, get the fight to the ground, just get it to the ground, just go all out. Um, um like Maya, Maya maybe like <clears throat> showed showed off that his striking isn't isn't as bad as some people may think in his last in his last one, but it's it's, it's still way way below the standard of his grappling and i think the same is with ortega and i think uh, a better a better fight or a better fight game plan would be to uh would be to kind of follow damian maya's path isn't there's no there's no point taking them shots like um as you go up like cub is kind of like just below the upper echelon of the division as, as you get to the upper echelon against like max holloway and aldo and people like that like you you won't get the chance to yeah. if you go with a game, bad game plan you won't get the chance to readjust how do you think you'd beat Brian Ortega? Who do I think would beat him? Now, how would anyone beat him? Like, how, what, what game plan would you use to beat Brian Ortega? Just to strike with him and stay away from his <laughs> jiu-jitsu. It's, it's yeah, just to like sprawl and brawl basically. Yeah, don't like yeah, it's, it's, kind of like you know he was he was hanging out in that clinch a little bit. Like he should have been breaking away. Like he should have been like like dependent on it. But you should you should the second he tries to clinch with you, you should be like respect that this guy is a phenomenal jiu-jitsu guy and one of the best uh, in. Uh, Probably the best submission guy in the division, if not one of the best in up there with like Maya and Jacare, etc. In the UFC. Yeah. What now for Cub Swanson? Do you think it was the last fight in his his UFC contract? Uh, is, is, is he going to get resigned or Bellator going to take him back? It depends what he's asking for because I don't think Cub sells tickets. I don't think he sells pay per views. I don't think people tune in on Fox to see him. I don't think anybody, anyone bar casuals actually care about Cub Swanson. Depends what he's asking for and depends what KSW, Bellator, etc. can offer him. He like he is still ranked what like. Four, four, top five or six, probably. Yeah, uh, the new rankings, the new rankings, right? Are they? Um, not yet, no. Yeah, when, when they come out, you'll probably be in the top six or seven anyway. So, like from a competitive competition standpoint, you'd think the UC would want to uh, resign them, but we all know that it really works on what you can, what you you can affect. How can you, how you can affect the bottom line in pay per views, ticket sales, and, and viewers? So, it's a tough one. It, um, he should definitely test it test out the the market and see see what he could get offered because uh he's always talking about a uc title shot but he, i don't think he's ever deserved it i think he's always kind of fallen at the at the vital hurdle when 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 he's been in the discussion and i don't see him getting back there because he's already been been hammered by max holloway so yeah um for me i i think i think Cobb will sign but for brian ortega i think I think he should get the next title shot. And I think it's an absolute no-brainer. Frank Edgar fought UFC 200 in the middle of last year for a title lost, four title loss in a row. I think he's no business getting a title shot again when you have a guy, as you said, what is he, 13 and all when he's last uh, five after after the drugs ban. I think it's. I think you have to go with T-City now. Frank Edgar had a title shot here. He pulled out injured. He was offered a title shot against Conor McGregor. He, he gave it up because he was injured. He lost four in a row. Uh Come on, I think like it's a bit I, early I, though I, for for T, for T or for uh, Ortega. Like I think he, what is he like? He's I don't think it is young. He's twenties. He's twenty six, and he's he's young enough in his MMA career. But I think if he goes in there at Mark Holloway now, it's it's bad news for him. But in a few more fights, he he may be able to. As I say, if he gets more urgent about getting getting into the grappling realm. Like I know Max Holloway is definitely massively improved, and we haven't really seen him on the ground since since uh, Connor put him there and was able to was was able to dominate there. But have tried to take him down. He's looked much more much more uh, assured in in what he's doing, and um, 
I just think it'd be too early for for Ortega. I think he'd just get the combinations and the striking and the movement from the the, the quickness from Max Holloway would just be far too much for him on the feet, and uh, I think he I think he he'd just get destroyed. Who do you think is a better chance of beating Max Holloway and Ortega? Right now, um, probably Ortega. But for Ortega, I'd want to. I'd want to wait. Like if I was him and I was his team, you know, uh, there's no real rush. I don't think. Uh, I, I definitely think that's the fight to me. I think he's a way more chance of beating Holloway. I don't think either of them beat Holloway, but I think he's a way, way more chance of beating Holloway than Frank Edgar. Yeah, he has uh, a clear route to victory. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's it's the fun fight to make. You need, like that division needs it. You know, Jose Aldo was there for years and years and years. Didn't Conor McGregor beat him? Nothing happened for ages. He held the belt. Then Jose Aldo got it back in. Fought Frank Edgar again. Then Max Holloway got a new lease of life. Then fights Jose Aldo again. If he's fighting Frank Edgar now, it's just ba- going backwards. I think. I I really do think that. I think they need. I, I said it before this fight as well. I really think they need to move on with that division. If Frank Edgar goes in there, beats someone else. And, and and gets a title shot in. Fair enough. Look, if he earns it, fair enough. He's won two in a row since losing to Jose Aldo. Lost in a row. He can win one or two more, I think, before he gets another title shot. I never thought he should have got the title shot this time against Max Holloway. I think they should move on with that division and give it to T-City. He's earned it. He's 13 and all. If that's not enough for me, I don't think anything will ever be enough. Uh, and, yeah, that that's basically it for me. Uh, right, let's move on or we'll be here all day. Anything else from the cards stand out to you? Marlon Moraes, um, obviously, against Aljamain Sterling. What about yeah, that? fucking hell. That was some some knockout and it was, it was scary that, like, even the reaction of everybody in the commission and in the in the cage and it's great. Like, you have to be kind of stretched out of there. So, you obviously don't want to see that, but uh, Marlon Moraes, like, he just beautifully timed on, as, as Aljo tried to, or Aljamain Sterling tried to, look like he was going to go for a takedown. He kind of, Momentum and took him into it as well as how powerful the the knee was. So yeah, glad glad he said he's okay. He came in on Twitter and said he was grand, but you know maybe you can't see brain injuries, so who knows? But um, at least at least he uh, there seems to be no lasting damage, um, according to according to what what people are saying. But Marais, you know, it's a real uh, kind of it nearly takes away from his win a little bit, like that the how how hurt Aljo looked looked afterwards. People, um, I think people in the future will look back on that knockout maybe and be and appreciate it more. But because because of the circumstances around, I think people were a bit cautious to celebrate it too much on on social media and stuff. Yeah. Um, ever? How long am I watching him? You know, like eleven, twelve years, whatever. This is the first time ever I thought someone could have died after they got knocked out. Honestly, I I was ex- so worried watching that fight. I fell asleep um in like the, around the start of the main card. I was watching the Lomachenko fight, and I woke up in the morning and I watched it. And this was the first fight I watched uh, before the Ortega uh, Swanson fight and before the the other fights. And I had to go online to check was he okay. You know, usually I put my phone away. I wouldn't check absolutely nothing. Wouldn't would look at anything so I don't get the results spoiled. But I, after it, I had to check like because I would. I was really, really worried about it. I, I heard a couple of things as well. Uh, I didn't see, obviously, didn't watch the the event as it was going, the main card as it was going on. But a lot of people were saying they didn't update the status of of Sterling, and he was he was supposed to be walking around backstage, and all they obviously brought him to the hospital and everybody. I think he he was you know he was fine backstage. Um, people were saying, isn't it weird that they don't update that? Like, imagine if someone in a, in a soccer match got badly concussed, was taken out in the stretcher. You know, if they were brought back and then they kind of woke up and they were taken to the hospital, they'd say that on the commentary yeah. and stuff. Like, it, it's weird yeah. that they don't say that in the UFC, isn't it? 
I can't, yeah, I can't remember. It was some NFL NFL player who uh, he he made an innocuous looking tackle there a couple of a couple of weeks ago, and whatever he used by technique and he he couldn't move his legs when he was lying on the ground and they had to stretch him off and stuff. And for the rest of the game, all the commentators and all were, were like just talking about it and saying like, "Oh, we'll give you an update as soon as possible." And I think that is the way to do it. But obviously, you could see how worried everybody was. You could see in in the cage, like even the commissioners and the doctors and all, and everybody was just really. Even Marlon Marias wasn't celebrating he, when he realized what was happening. He was just worried, and I think I think that the worry came through the screen. I think they should have known that people people watching, fans watching, would have been worried and that would want an update. So yeah, it's a strange one. I don't know. I don't know what the thinking behind that is. Yeah, I definitely think they should change that. They need to do it. Like, people watching that must be an extremely worried watching it live. Obviously, I was grand I could go on and look online and, and saw people tweeting about it. But, yeah, I really think they, they do need to improve that. Um, anything else from the cards to go to you? I think, um, I think Jason Knight going all Ronda Rousey on yeah. us. Very poor. Yeah, what did you think of that? Yeah, when I saw that, the first thing I thought of you, the first thing I thought of was you. What did you think of that? Well, if the refs are going to let you away with it, then it probably makes sense to do it. Like, yeah. Do you think he meant it? Like, do you think it was... Do you think you mean it? Yeah, I don't think you bite somebody by mistake. But like, you could have just been placing your uh, hands. L- L- Louis Suarez, he never meant to bite anybody. Come on. Uh, that was different. <laughs> <Bottom end. laughs> Bit them in the shoulder, yeah. But like, why I was it not a jersey? Like, it's just like, no, no worries. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's very, very, very extremely difficult to get disqualified in MMA. Like, you can, you can fail repeatedly. Like, you can poke a guy in, in like, in the eyes several times in, in a minute and the ref won't even take a point so if the rules are going to be like cheating is encouraged basically then people are going to cheat people are going to grab the case funny actually gonna... uh liz carmouche was on this card as well and i i tweeted about it that uh ronda rousey beat her in their fight as well which is something you're always talking about but it's just uh, a weird. Yeah. I always find it strange that like it, it was like the inaugural belt and ronda rousey's in a rear naked choke and she bites her way out of it and then it's kind of like media, maybe maybe it's the American media, or maybe it's just the media in general. We're just trying to sweep it under the table completely and never talk about it. It was like the George St. Pierre Greece thing. It's similar that these popular guys, they just don't like to talk about when when they cheat. That is that is true. Uh, yeah, go on. Any, anything else in that card you were uh, you were impressed by? Um, not really. Um, Luke Sanders got knocked out by a. Uh, I don't know how you even pronounce this. What's his name? Andre Sukamtas. Sukamtas. Yeah. What do you think Sukumtas. of the stoppage? Yeah, I thought it was a good stoppage. Um, it was. It's probably like because he popped straight back up. It, it looked bad, but if you look when I look back at it, I rewind it and look back at it, and, and it did look like he was finished. So uh, the ref can't know what's going on in the head, and if you don't show that you're all right, then I think the ref was right to stop it. Even though it seemed like he was able to continue, but he didn't. He didn't show anything uh, while the ref was moving in. And when the ref's moving in, usually guys will will show something. Like, well, the ref says you got to move. You got to show me something. They will. They will even roll to a worse position in order to show something to the ref. Mm-hmm. Still uh, I, I was like you initially. I thought it was a bad stoppage, but then I went back and looked at it and I thought the stoppage was was okay. It was fine. I I, I would have liked to see him get on a little bit longer, but I was fine. And no no qualms with that. But I think it was bad refereeing in general. He got way way too close to him. He almost became part of the fight at one stage. He, I I think he kind of kicked. Yeah. His leg was underneath. His leg was in there. Yeah yeah. <laughs> I was like. It's just he kind of panicked in and stopped it. I think in the end, I, I think you know, it was obviously Josh Rosenthal won, won the best in the game. You know, if any new followers uh, are are listening that haven't seen him in a while, he used to be one of the top top referees, and then he got jailed in on a drug charge for selling large amounts of marijuana. I was believe. it growing or I think it was growing? Was, was it? it growing? 
I don't know. He was growing. Maybe. Maybe I could be wrong. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. Looked at a Google app, but he was in jail. The man grew a few flowers and he threw him in jail. Like, what's the world come to? <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad to see him back anyway. Frank Trigg actually was a referee as well, which is which is very, very good to see. Um, yeah, as, long, as long as he is a good ref and it's not just that he's an ex-fighter. Like, I don't want guys judging and, and refing that are ex-fighters because it kind of sounds good. I wanted them doing it because they're good at the job. And I'm, yeah. I'm not saying the French rig isn't, but you know, people are kind of even before you even ref, people are like, oh, this is fantastic. It's like, well, we'll see if he's good mm-hmm. at it or not first before we start saying how fantastic it is. That's a very, very good point. That's a very good point. Do you know who's a good referee as well? Paul Redmond. That man, I bet you that man, ref, if he wants that, he'll referee. Sure, he ruined UFC the France Malambo fight. Remember that? <laughs> did he? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I did, sure. No good. I take it back. I take it out. Nothing. Back. He knows nothing that red, that red, red there. Not at all. If he if if he was toe holding him, he would have you know he would have got a good stoppage. <laughs> other than that, other than that, no. uh, right. Let's let's move on from that card and let's talk about the t- <laughs> you you mentioned it a while back. The tough finale before we get to, to UFC two one eight, and there's a, a new champion of the world, Nick, uh, Nico Montano, who defeated Roxanne Modafferi. It's a while back now, so we're obviously not going to spend too much on it, but. What are your thoughts on this, Graham, uh, overall? This is a weird one, wasn't it? Well, it was good night for the Irish with Sean O'Malley getting a good uh, win when yeah. undefeated, but uh, and uh, Spud, Murphy, Spud, well. Spud Murphy as well. Like, uh, Spud Murphy. <laughs> a good win over Barb Honchak. I know, but seriously, yeah, uh, yeah the, the, the standard in the main event was, was, was very poor, and I think um, yeah. it, was, it was funny seeing a lot of the, the media on Twitter, a lot of the community kind of being in Roxanne's corner before it even started and saying like oh there's something wrong with you if you don't want Roxanne to win and all this stuff it's just kind of was very strange that whole atmosphere around it but um yeah imagine if imagine if an Irish fighter was in a similar position like that and the Irish MMA media were, were cheerleading the Irish fighter the way some of the American <laughs> MMA media were cheering Modafferi imagine the abuse we get I didn't see really see many much abuse for any of them did I there's, a, the actually, yeah, there's an odd double standard there, yeah. Not, not funny, no, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, regardless, it, it's hard to believe that fight was um, a championship fight for for UFC belt. There was a 125-pound title on the line in Victa last week, and it was a tremendous service. It was a very technical fight, a lot of clinching and stuff like that, but I thought it was a good, enjoyable fight, better than this. I, I think Montano is a good fighter, and I think I think she will be. I think, I think she only, like, Something now, but that's how how good of a fighter she actually is. I think in in time she, I don't think she'll hold on to that title long, to be honest. But I think she might be able to retain it again sometime. Yeah, I didn't think that the fight was as close as uh, it seemed. That most of the the fans in the media, people were saying, oh, 48-47 could have went either way. I saw a couple of scorecards for Roxanne being posted, but uh, I thought she, maybe she won one round. But besides that, she she got comprehensively beaten and. Uh, I think uh, I think right after the fight, uh, there was talk where people were speculating that maybe Ronda Rousey might be enticed back now. But it seems like uh, it seems like the WWE uh, there was like a, a report about her about to sign for the WWE. So it sounds like that's that's dead in the water for the moment, anyway. Yeah, well, she, that 
has been going around for a while. Dave, Dave Meltzer said she's been training. You know, I heard a few weeks ago I was listening to one of his podcasts and he said that. I still think it's a possibility. I think she could do both with the WWE. I think she's going to do WrestleMania. They have a four horsewomen versus four horsewomen thing lined up uh, for him. And I think she'll do that, but I don't think she'll be that regular after that. Uh, so I, I definitely think it could happen. I think it makes perfect sense. I remember uh, before her last fight or the one before, she was like 135 swimming around in a swimming pool like three days before her fight or something. So I definitely think she could, she could get down. I know she's fought at 145 before, but I think she could probably make it and it'd be an easy title win for her. It's tough to know though. Fighters lie about their weight a lot. So uh, you, just because she was said to be at that weight before, you, you wouldn't know that that's actually true. That, yeah, that's fair enough, I suppose. But uh, I think, uh, I think if, if, if she really wanted that, to get to one twenty five, I I don't think she'd have much of a problem. Like it would it'd definitely not be an easy wake up, but uh, it's definitely doable. I think if she if she wants it, but I don't think she does want to. I think it's easier just to go to WWE and turn up every few months and do that than put yourself through an eight week camp and. She obviously had the last couple of fights she had didn't go too well. She seems she, she didn't seem to be the same confident kind of confident mindset that she had before she lost. And it's a like she's kind of achieved everything. She's kind of like the leading face. She's the champion. Does she like does does the championship belt at the weight class below mean as much to her as as it did when she was coming up uh, trying to break all these barriers down as the first kind of the first kind of star woman in the UFC? So. Uh, I just I I just don't see Ronda coming back to be honest at all. Yeah, didn't you, I suppose you look at Cesaro Eubanks who missed weight for this fight. Uh, Lauren Murphy is there as well. Paige Van Zandt has to be in with a with a shout. She's fighting there coming up. There's a there's a you know there's a lot of options. I think it could be Paige. I think mm. Paige is a more experienced than Nico Montano. They'd love to have a title on her. Uh, you know, even the likes of Karolina Kowalkiewicz then might come down for it. Uh, Joanne Calder would obviously talk about. About go, or sorry, Kovalkovich um, gone up for Joanne Calderwood gone up for it as well. Then you have the likes of Shevchenko who could come down, Sarah McMahon, and a few more people like that. It could, this could get interesting. At the moment, that division looks very, very light and not great. Although there's, it was a pretty good season and there were some good fighters in there. But I think that division could improve a lot over the next while and kind of take away from the the bantamweight and strawweight divisions as well. But uh, you know, it's it's interesting times. I think. This time next year, or in eighteen months' time, even look at we can look at the division then and, and see how it's going. But uh, for now, yeah. it's it's still obviously very new. Uh, what the, what did you think of Sean O'Malley? I know you, you mentioned him earlier. Yeah, he actually looked he looked like he has a good bit of talent. He definitely looked raw. He he, he maybe needs to work on some of the fundamentals more than more than anything. But um, he definitely looks to be a prospect. Uh, I think he's young, isn't he? Let me just double check his age here. Um, I, I think he's, he's very wild and powerful. Yeah. yeah, he showed that he can kind of come back as well. The way he fights is, it's it's got to be hard to fight like that, especially if he's getting into five round fights. You know, he seems to have kind of a big name now, and I think they'll they tend to rush guys like that into main events and stuff. Uh, but I, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing seeing him fighting again. If he can start knocking guys out like that, I think it's great. But if he can't and he gets into third and fourth and fifth rounds, it's going to be very, very difficult for him the way he fights. But uh, as you said, still young, still improving. Came off the Dana White Tuesday night series, you know, friends with Snoop Dogg, smoking fucking dope with Snoop Dogg uh, and stuff. So, yeah, it's it's an uh, interesting time ahead for Irish MMA's top prospect, Sean O'Malley. <laughs> yeah, I think the most impressive um, yeah. performance on that card was the Brett Johns calf slicer on Joe Soto, who... 
Yes. We talked about Joe Soto, how good he is on the ground, and uh, he's entering grappling tournaments and winning them and stuff. And like uh, getting caught in a calf slicer is rare, very rare. I think it's only happened once uh, previously in the UFC. So that was that was ultra impressive, and, and that was brilliant from uh, Brett Johns. His, his kind of coming out. <clears throat> he's he's undefeated. He's what is he's fifteen or sixteen and zero now. Fifteen and zero is he? And mm-hmm. I think people are only starting to take notice now. And a, a, a really quick finish against a tough guy like that is is really a good way of proving that you're that you're legit. Yeah, I was extremely, extremely impressed with that. I, I people know listen to this podcast. I, I rate Joe Soto very, very highly, and I don't think he is rated as highly as he should be. Uh, and I thought that was a very good, and obviously very, very quick in thirty seconds. AJ Styles, style calf slider, and absolutely phenomenal stuff. Uh, looking forward to seeing seeing Brett Johnson. Uh, you know, I think he can. I think there's a case to move him up now a good bit. You know, looking at that that bantamweight division, he's ranked number 13 at the moment. You know, the likes of Eddie Wineland is above him, Thomas Almeida, you know, Marlon Moraes. He's probably not going to get up that far, but I, I'd love uh, Almeida against Brett Johns. That'd be fun as shit, wouldn't it? Yeah, no, there's just some great matchups there because he... <clears throat> there's a, there's kind of like a bunch of up-and-comers in the, in, in the division. He's one of them, so, like... I, I wouldn't mind seeing him against number like uh, anybody really. <laughs> you see, there's a uh, even like people like Dodson, uh, Mu- uh, Pedro Munoz, uh, Caraway. Like Caraway is known for maybe not taking hard fights, but uh, or trying to handpick his fights. But yeah, outside of the top, like TJ, Cody, Dominic, maybe maybe Asensio. I think I, I wouldn't mind seeing him in there against any 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 of the rest of them. Even even Marlon Moraes, Maybe the timing would line up uh, nicely for that for that fight to happen. Yeah. Um. While we're on the the women's fights and stuff, Invicta uh, at the weekend uh, put on a, a pretty good event. I got I caught a, the, the top few cards, uh, and obviously it was uh, Maya versus Nuyets in the in the main event with Mackenzie Dern as well in um in in the co-main. That Maya Nuyets fight we talked about a little bit earlier on. I thought it was I thought it was a close fight. I thought um the Nuyets won it. Uh, but Maya came out the winner. It was a very very close fight. I think that the, a lot of people scored it four or um the four, three two I think two of the three judges or maybe all three scored it four one. I, I thought it was three two to Nuyets to be honest. Um, but but I digress on that one. McKinsey Dern. I know you you didn't see the whole fight, but you caught the finish. Very impressive stuff again, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was good that she made weight this time. It seems with, with no problem. She's she if she wants to be kind of catapulted into the into the title picture in in Evicta and into the UFC's title picture, obviously is probably her long term goal. That uh, she needs to consistently make weight, and she looks she looks to have done it properly this time and made weight no problem. So I think that's good, and I think uh, obviously the competition she's fighting so far hasn't been hasn't been great, but she's she's going through these these most of these girls with with relative ease. So. Um, I don't think there's any rush with her either. I think I think uh, I think she's taking the right path to, of being an Victor first and uh, making a name for herself and kind of being the star attraction on, on uh, to most people on on these on these Invicta cards. I think um, that will that will boost her profile and people will be excited by the time she transitions over to the UFC. I think they're going to bring her to the UFC. You know, all the chit chat going around that she is going to be in the UFC next. But I agree with you. I wouldn't mind seeing her fighting for an Invicta title. You know, headlining an Invicta card like that. I think it's a very, very good promotion. It'd be a good place for her to be. Uh, she's still improving, and she's clearly improving. I thought her striking looked a lot better this time uh, than the last time. You know, it was, didn't look great still the last time. I thought it was improving a little bit, but I thought she was throwing jabs good. She was throwing big power shots. A lot of them were missing and stuff, but that you know that'll come too. But it, it looked a lot better than it did did previously. Obviously on the ground, she's an absolute 
diamond on the ground. Uh, in the second round, she could have won. She there was an arm there to be taken, and I think she wanted to prove a point and get it, get a KO, get a TKO finish. Uh, uh, but it didn't come. Uh, and in the third, the exact same situation came, and she basically said, "Look, there's only 20 seconds left. I'm going to rip this girl's arm off," and that's exactly what she did, you know, and, and took the took the win. It, it wasn't a spectacular performance by any means, but it was. I think it was a good performance. I think it was a sort of performance that she needed, and obviously, as you said, as well, making the weight. That's a huge issue with McKinsey Dern, and uh, you know, all around very, very good weekend uh, for McKinsey Dern. Right before we get to UFC 218, which was obviously a, a huge card there, George St. Pierre. What about him? I never mentioned that to start, but that's obviously a big talking point this weekend. Uh, or this week, indeed, he relinquished and vacated his UFC middleweight title, and now Robert Whitaker is the full champion. Um, and he'll take on uh, Luke Rockhold at UFC Part coming up here at the beginning of next year. Right decision all around? I think a lot of people suspected that this was going to happen. GSP kind of his team and himself even kind of hinted that they weren't going to be sticking around in middleweight even before the, the he got the title shot against Bisping. Obviously Dana White was coming out saying the opposite, but we all know that you can't really take what Dana's saying at face value. He's a he's a fight promote, promoter. He's, he's, he's kind of doing doing what's best for business at the time, trying to sell pay-per-views and all that. So uh, um, it's not surprising, but um, for, for Whitaker just to be upgraded, it's kind of strange. I think they should have they should have made the Rocco fight for the belt. I, I would I would have thought that would be better. Uh, I think you're, when you have an interim champion and the, the champion vacates it, you have to make him the, the champion. I think that's kind of just the way it goes. I have no problem with that. I think everybody knows that the interim is just not a real title. Like, you know? Yeah, but this one, there's a lot of people saying the real title wasn't the real one and saying the interim title was the, the real title. But... Yeah, a lot of people say a lot of stupid yeah, shit, though. I think I, I agree. With, <laughs> I, I disagree with what I said. Uh, yeah, it was fucking weird. Like, people, he knocked out Luke Rockhold. Michael Bisping did. And yeah, people said he's I, not the real champion. And Luke Rockhold. See, when you're, when you're, Luke Rockhold when you're a polarizing person like Bisping, yeah. people are just going to be irrational about it. Like, you know, uh, we've seen it with loads of fighters. So if, if, like, you put yourself out there and you kind of say things that are risky and you. You, you, you go at people. Like, a lot of people like it, but a lot of people don't. And it, it makes people irrational. <laughs> Yeah, it, like it's it's so weird. I know the Dan Henderson fight. Obviously, Dan Henderson was ranked like number eleven or twelve in the division or something. But like that happens all the time when there's guys you know you've beaten someone and then you become the champion and then they get that rematch again because you've a win over them. That that's happened you know loads countless amount of times. Maybe not as bad as Dan Henderson, but you can understand why they made that match. And that's the one fight he had after it. Luke Rockhold has fought David Branch. Da- Come on now, David Branch. Like he's probably ranked lower. Dan Henderson was ranked uh, when Michael Bisping beat him. Yeah, a tree bed. But come on, that's the one fight he's had since Bisping knocked his lights out. And you're saying this is for the real belt. This is a real title fight. And and GS like that GSP thing as well. I said it before the fight. It was totally and utterly overblown that oh he's not deserving of this fight. He was the he was the champion of welterweight for about eight years. Like, what the fuck are people talking about? Like he George St. Pierre should have been able to walk into any fight he wanted in that that's uh, that organization. He's the the probably the second third biggest draw of all time in in the UFC now, especially after his last uh, his last one. He can do that. Like and people talking about it, it's, oh, he, he should have defended his belt. You know, he he needs to defend his belt. He's a prize fighter, and he's going to take prize fights, and he's going to fucking fight Conor McGregor next. We all know it. It's going to happen. There's no other fight from there. He's not going to fight Tyron Woodley. Too risky. He wants big money payday against Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor wants a big money payday. The only one, literally, in the UFC that can provide him with a huge, huge, huge payday is George St. Pierre, and that fight's going to happen, isn't it? Well, it, it could easily, but you just never know. You never know what Conor's going to do, so it's very hard to, to speculate on that. But um, 
I think they they used we've talked about it before. The UC tried to put it together before they were, they were kind of had GSP rings or a cage side for uh, the, the first Diaz McGregor fights, and they were, there was talk that they were going to square them off afterwards. So uh, the UC definitely have been have had this in mind for a while. So it definitely wouldn't surprise me. But trying to predict what Conor's going to do next is is very, very difficult. That is true. What, what about this rumors of Conor fighting Manny Pacquiao? Yeah, um, I'd say it's probably just uh, Manny Pacquiao trying to trying to stir up interest and his people trying to make make people talk about it and stuff. But I don't think uh, I don't think people are too excited about the prospect. And uh, Dana White was was saying, "Oh well, if he is, if Manny Pacquiao has been talking to Conor McGregor, then we, we'll sue them because he's under contract with us." Yeah, but he's he also now is a professional boxer and he has something called the Ali Act. Which means that you don't, you a promoter can't keep you under contract, and if someone else offers you a better thing or whatever, you can you can go and fight for them. So Dana White, yeah, I know he's good lawyers and stuff, and all. He'd probably be able to keep him in court for about five years over it. But uh, you know, that's that's an interesting one to see play out now. It's but a, I don't. Yeah, it's a short career. You don't want to get involved in a multi-year uh, legal battle with Dana White and the yeah. endeavor in the UFC. The, the biggest um, problem with that fight is Dana White is obviously Conor McGregor's promoter and Bob Hiram is Manny Pacquiao's promoter and they hate each other with an absolute passion. So uh, it could happen, never say never, but I'd be I'd be surprised, you know, if that did happen. But um, I don't think there'd yeah. be that much interest. I think like the whole reason why the Pacquiao uh, bout or the Mayweather bout worked was that it was kind of unknown and nobody had seen nobody had seen it and anything like it before so it was kind of the first time and nobody really knew what was going to happen people had like very polarizing views people some people saying connor's going to knock him out or the people saying connor won't lay a glove you know there was like massive uh differentials in in people's opinions and i think uh that was kind of a once-off I, I don't think people are want to see connor and pacquiao that much i don't, definitely don't think they want to see paulie and connor I, I, I just think people want to see Connor and MMA, so I think that that's probably what is most likely to happen next. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. And just that last thing on the GSP thing, I think he was—he obviously has colitis as well. He was saying so that's if people listen to this, probably you know Darren Fletcher had that exact same disease and basically barely played in three years. So hopefully George Saint-Pierre doesn't get it as serious uh, as he had it. But that—that's no laughing matter. And I think uh, you know if he has that, and it'll take a while to recover. So that's another reason why relinquishing that belt was was fine by me and you know if he i think during that fight he finally realized that he's he's too small for uh 185 he can't carry that weight on him you know we saw the same with mcgregor at one 170 he just in those two fights he's he just couldn't quiet. carry that weight yeah so uh yeah i i think it was grand yeah. right let's move on to ufc 218 which was a couple of weeks ago and obviously we, we weren't here last week so we'll get to that here just we'll run through it pretty quickly the main event look my thoughts on the main event were kind of I, I cut him in two halves max holloway is excellent in this fight i thought he improved an awful lot uh on, on his last fight he was landing a lot more kind of power shots and things uh aldo i thought did, did a little bit better as well i thought he, he was throwing good leg kicks he was hurting holloway i thought he won the first round i thought the second round was close but obviously holloway you know he got to finish to finish again just kind of too much power and took over the fight a little bit aldo was taking way too many shots and it could have been ended a little bit uh quicker even I think, and I made a video about this over my Facebook page during the week, I think Jose Aldo a while back wouldn't have got finished in that fight like that. I think he would have gone on and on, but I think Conor McGregor knocking him out in, what was it, 13, 11 seconds, whatever it was, absolutely destroyed him mentally. I think he just can't do it anymore. And then Max Holloway beating him the second time as well, just put put another uh, put another uh, hole in that. I think you know, fighting Frank Edgar, he knows he can beat Frank Edgar. I think it's a great matchup for him to, 
someone like Max Holloway who has huge power, who'll keep coming forward, who he can't really hurt him. You know, we spoke about it the last time we were on here. I thought the key to this fight was Josie Aldo hurting Max Holloway with those leg kicks with big shots. And he landed more leg kicks. He landed a lot of big shots and he still didn't hurt him. And he just kept coming and coming and coming. And before Josie Aldo against a guy like that would would have had, you know, the, the mental fortitude or the belief in himself that he could could have kept going, got through it. Maybe he wouldn't, wouldn't have won against someone as good as Max Holloway, but I think he would have kept going through it. But that's gone from Jose Aldo. I think you just he doesn't have that invincibility anymore, and he had it for what was it, nine years undefeated. He had it, but it's it's just absolutely gone now. And it takes someone as good as Max Holloway still to, to show it up because Jose Aldo is still a really really good fighter. And you know we saw him destroying Frank Edgar in that last fight not too long ago. Uh, and I think Max Holloway is is definitely the real deal. But it's it the last one was a passing of the torch moment. But I think this more so is a passing of the torch moment uh, for Max Holloway. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think Max uh, proved it was no fluke. The in, like the the injured leg to Aldo had a few question marks over how how this would go. Um, I know it was on short notice for Aldo, but it wasn't it wasn't that short. Like you know, and he'd already prepared for Max uh, recently enough, so I um, I wouldn't take too I wouldn't think too much into that. But uh, I think Aldo like when he was going ten years undefeated, I think obviously your your people are picking holes in like a, a ridiculous streak, and you're you're the champion, you're undefeated, you're looking great, and people were saying, oh, he, but he gets tired, he 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 fades in fights, and he seemed to have got that under control, but. In in the last couple of fights, it, it looked to be back. Uh, he he was loading up on shots as well, and you, you could notice him getting tired. And I think I think he knew that he wasn't going to be able to make it to the end. <laughs> um, that's why maybe maybe why he was throwing a bit more into the shots. But against somebody as good as uh, Max Holloway, it's it's very hard. It's very hard to to, to land a loaded up shot like. I think that's the mental thing as well because Jose, watching these old fights, Jose Aldo is he's a marathon sprinter. That's what he is. You know, he sprints for long distances. That that was always the way he fought, and he just can't do that anymore. I I don't know. It it's it, as you said there. It's taken. You know, it's taken his gas tank. He's you know obviously uh, fighting better guys like McGregor and like Hall like Holloway. You take a lot more shots and that doesn't help as well but yeah yeah i 100% agree there what you were saying his gas just isn't there anymore and i do think that's you know more mental thing than than physical um uh, a part of it uh well, obviously we talked a lot uh, in the the first segment about Brian Ortega and the next uh featherweight um featherweight contender i think it should be Ortega obviously but uh so we will uh the next heavyweight contender Francis Ngannou Obviously, what a knockout. Unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah, it was fantastic. It was spectacular. And the, the coffin nail he put in him afterwards was brutal as well. It was a I actually thought Francis looked a bit stiff and nervous at the very start mm-hmm. of the fight. Yeah. He looked he didn't look he didn't look like uh he didn't look that comfortable, but but the second he landed it was it was all over. So uh when you've got that ridiculous power and it's not he's kinda of like off balance when he's landing so many shots, but he still has he still, he's like it's. I don't know, he just has this ridiculous power, and um, the second he hit over him, like it, it was done. I think for about for about how long did that fight go? Three and a half minutes. I think for about two minutes twenty five seconds or whatever it was. Stephen Miocic would have been licking his lips. And oh, Francis up in the clinch, he didn't look great at all. He got he he used his power to kind of get out of the the clinch against over him. You know, he he wasn't getting the underhooks properly. He's telling you know he didn't look very technically great there. You know, he was he was slipping these shots, but over him was leaving openings. He wasn't hitting him. You know, he wasn't looking great. As you, uh, you know, I tweeted at the time. So you said it there. He looked nervous coming out. Looked like the occasion was getting to him, and then boom, dead. To one shot gone 
And that's exactly what Francis Ngannou is. I think he's still improving. You know, those improvements are coming. He's a lot to look at. I know it was only a short fight, but a lot to look at in that fight. But I thought the the most amazing thing about that fight was the not the knockout itself, but how he got the knockout. And it was defense that won him that fight because you could see over him through a big shot. Watch it back again. Over him through a big shot. Francis, instead of moving his head forward to go in and throw a shot of his own, he pulled his head back, saw over him over extending through the left hand hit him, knocked him down, and then came in and, and obviously put the coffin on him when he was down. It, it You have to watch that in slow motion to really understand how good it was. It wasn't just a lucky... Uh, it, was a, it, was, it wasn't on balance. It wasn't a totally balanced shot, but it was a very, very skillfully landed, defensively smart knockout. I, and that, I think... It, it was obviously the best knockout of Francis Ngannou's career, just from knocking out over him, landing that big shot, but I think the actual way he threw it and the... the the brilliance of it was by far the most frightening thing if you're a heavyweight in that division that Francis Ngannou just doesn't have the power, but he also has the intelligence and the technique to do something as good as that. Yeah, I, I, like it kind of reminded me a bit of Rumble Johnson. Hopefully, hopefully um, Ngannou can kind of respond to adversity a bit better than, than he, he has in his career. And um, maybe... Striking with Ngannou early is, is bad news, but maybe if you can tire him out, put him on his back for a while. We haven't really seen that. Like he he fought he fought a really good guy, I think, in his second ever fight in Ngannou, and he lost a decision. Like or he wasn't training MMA that long at the time. Like, I I can nearly even write that off completely. Mm-hmm. Um, just look at his UFC career because because it, it, he's what is he four years deep into into training MMA? Like you know what you knew three years ago and what you know now in that situation is completely different. So like you'd be stupid to try and strike with him early. Um, even if, even if like over him, obviously uh, K one, uh, heavyweight champion, uh, kickboxing champions, he's, he's no mug on the feet. He's very dangerous himself, but maybe over him should have tried to drag him deep, drag Ganu deep and see if he could, uh, see if he could get him into the later rounds, be, be very tentative, kind of stay on the outside more, but, but, uh, it's obviously easier said than done against, uh, against somebody like Ngannou. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I, I presume we both agree he's next for... Oh, well, he is next. Uh, I think it's announced. There, yeah. For, yeah, it's yeah. announced for Boston. So, yeah, that, that should be a fun card. Who are you picking on that early? It's a tough one. Um, there's a lot of unknowns with Ngannou, but I'm going to go with Ngannou. Me too, my boy. Team Sheehan. Finally going to have a champion after a long time. A long time out of the out of the championship picture. It's all um, them hours spent in the UC performance since you with me. That, that is a, for. Holly <laughs> Malinagi now as well will be uh, a bit of the world. Uh, let's move on. Hank Cejudo against Sergio Pettis. Not much to say about this fight. Pettis, uh, Pettis being Pettis is what I'd say at this, but Hank Cejudo was very, very good as well. Looked good on the feet again. Just used his wrestling to, to, to precision. Took Pettis down, laid on him for most of the fight and, and won, a, won a decision. Uh, I presume you were impressed by Cejudo and not very impressed by Pettis. Yeah, well, like yeah, I wasn't like unimpressed with, with Pettis. I know, like it is very difficult when somebody as good at wrestling as Cejudo is and 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 who can also strike. It, it's a very difficult matchup for anybody in the division, maybe bar Demetrius Johnson. So uh, I wasn't all that surprised that it went down the way it went. But um, yeah, Cejudo, he looks he looks like a. He looks like he's made. We think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. He looks like he's made serious improvements even since he, he fought for the title against Demetrius Johnson. So uh, I'd say that that probably made that fight against him enough. 
Yeah, I think if uh, the TJ and DJ fight will probably happen, I could see Cejudo against Joseph Benavidez. Maybe if Joe B is coming back from his uh, his injury, obviously he's a win over Cejudo. So I, I could see ACL. That. I don't know how long uh, how long got to happen, but um, it'd be a tough one to come straight back in against uh, yeah. Henry Cejudo of, of a big layoff with a knee injury. Mm-hmm. Eddie Alvarez against Justin Gaethje. It was obviously a very very good fight. But I didn't think it was as good as people were making out. I thought Eddie Alvarez just absolutely dominated that fight and was was a way, but it was a class above Justin Gaethje to be honest, uh, and got the finish in the end. I thought, I thought he looked like his striking was on a different level. He was obviously Gaethje landed a lot of leg kicks and, and they were hurting Alvarez. But I think Alvarez was winning that fight for the whole fight, landing some beautiful uppercuts, throwing that, throwing that punch that he throws the backhand without setting it up. And that lands constantly. I thought he threw that very well. He t- he spoke to Ariel before the fight about not game planning coming into this without a game plan. And I think that is exactly what Eddie Alvarez needs. And, you know, I speak about Mark Henry a lot. And I, I always talk about how his game planning is the weakest part. I think he's a great coach, but his game planning is constantly terrible. And I think the fact that Eddie Alvarez went in and just threw, you know, felt it, threw when he needed to throw. Uh, you know, did things that he needed to do in a fight against Justin Gaethje was brilliant. And I I didn't think he'd win that fight. I picked Justin Gaethje beforehand, but Eddie Alvarez, underestimated Eddie Alvarez at your, at your pearl. He's a very, very good fighter. He was doing this before Eddie Alvarez was, or before uh, Justin Gaethje was, uh, you know, getting into those big wars and beating lads like that. And he proved, you know, the, there's still some... Um, there's still some petrol left in the old car yet, and uh, very yeah. impressive with Eddie Alvarez. I think a lot of people's lasting memory is the is obviously the McGregor the McGregor Alvarez fight, but but that was just uh, I think I think people didn't appreciate how much of a masterclass that was from Connor. Yeah. I think people just oh Eddie Alvarez is crap, and clearly not crap. Like you know he's <laughs> he's fought all as we as they, as they keep talking about it, like they fought all over the world. For years he he okay maybe a couple of decisions people didn't agree with and i didn't agree with on, on his run to the the ufc belt but he's a really close fights and and he was fighting top guys like he's like these are really good fighters that he's beating like and justin gaethje's beating some really good fighters as well uh um violently as well as well and eddie alvarez was his leg was getting chewed up but he he it didn't it looked like it looked early like i thought oh if this continues this is this is going to affect him but um but it didn't seem to. He changed stance a couple of times, but he was just able to eat them and land damage to Gaethje. And then Gaethje, I thought, gassed out. And uh, and yeah, I thought it was one of the one of the best performances from Eddie Alvarez in a, in a long time. I think since maybe Michael Chandler fight. Yeah, hundred percent. I I definitely agree. The RDA one was a bit was a bit. I think a bit not lucky, but it was a bit. Uh, it was just a bit of a mad fight. It wasn't it, it, like it was just was a bit a... of a crazy. That was a way better fight than this fight. I thought that flying knee, just the insanity of it. I thought that was a that was a better the fight. Stupidity of that flying knee, though, really. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, other than that, uh, Tisha Torres had a good win over Michelle Watterson. Yancy Medeiros and Alex Oliveira put on a fight of the year contender uh, in that one. I thought that was the best fight tonight. Obviously, there was two fights tonight. That one and Eddie Alvarez Gaethje. I, I think that was that was a better fight. Uh, Felix Harry get a good win as well. Looked impressive in a close fight with uh, Courtney Casey uh, and Angela has gone from the UFC forever after being Felder, you know, Felder had a good win over Oliveira. Yeah. Yeah, hey, what, what about Felder? Nine McGrath's best friend, obviously, Paul Felder. Very, very good. <laughs> yeah, Oliveira just when it went, when he didn't get the get the finish uh, when he went for it, he kind of just he's he's had he has a track record for it. He kind of seemed to just kind of give up a bit. He, he you can see him kind of not really not really in the fight like he was when, when he's a front runner and when he's winning and early on in fights he looks very very dangerous but then when it starts going against him he just kind of seems to fade out of the fight mentally more than anything 
Mm-hmm. What about Paul Feller against Joseph Duffy? Can we have that? Yeah, that'll be a really good fight. Paul Feller's looked looked much better in his last what is it, three three wins he has now uh, with elbows, mm-hmm. ground and pound. He he looked really good in that position. Um, he I, I I thought a few fights ago that I mean, he might have plateaued, but he seems to have kind of got that killer instinct back, and he seems that urgency that you kind of need. Um, yeah, so that was that was a really really big win for Felder. Um, I I also thought um. We don't know if we talked about it the last time. I thought he did a really good job uh, on commentary. Yeah, we'll get to that in one second. I want to talk uh, about all the commentators in a second. But what about that David Tamer Drakkar Close fight where David Tamer was warned for timidity and Drakkar Close just kept like throwing his hands down, giving out about him walking away and stuff? That was really, really weird, wasn't it? He, uh, like, yeah, he well, Close like, wasn't doing anything. So if yeah. you're just standing there like taunting, like um, you're you're allowed for it off the back foot. I don't think he was running. Mm-hmm. And like uh, people always say, oh, he's running, but like this is just. It's a, it's a technique you use in a fight. It's a it's a style. It's a it's a game plan. And and David Tamer was winning. So why would he like his game plan was working? And he was right to not get sucked in by by the, the crowd and the, the ref warning him stupidly. That was that was a yeah, terrible oh, warning. Awful. Yeah, awful. Yeah, yeah. I think Herbert a bad night all around. But I think David Tamer is a huge huge prospect. Uh, I don't know if he's going to make it a lightweight. He seems a bit small for me. I think he's going to have to move down to featherweight. Maybe he's, he seems very very small for that division. And you know, guys like even like James Vick, the likes of Joseph Duffy. Paul Felder, I don't think he's going to be too small for him, but I think he's a really, really good fighter and a, and a good prospect. The commentators, we've had a new, a few new commentators uh, this week. Obviously, we had Brendan Fitzgerald with Paul Felder last week. We had Dan Helly was with uh, Daniel Cormier, and then we had obviously Rogan and uh, and John Anik as well. Th- thoughts on all of them? Um. Yeah, it's uh, it's tar- it's tough to come in and talk for like what, like six or seven hours straight, especially when you haven't done it that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think you can tell kind of straight away who's going to be good and who's not going to be good. Like when Dominic Cruz came in, you could kind of tell straight away, straight away he was going to be good. When Brian Stan came in, you could tell straight away he was going to be good. When Cormier came in, you could tell straight away he wasn't going to be good. Um, yeah, I I think although it is hard and. It does take a bit of a thing. I think you kind of have to have be, you have to be good at it. Like it's it's going to be hard to learn on the job, especially some of these guys don't seem to have basic MMA knowledge. So, uh, like calling uh, calf slashes, arm bars, and stuff like that, it's just it's just awful. Like, yeah, I, I thought here's my take on him. I thought that Dan Hilly guy was not great. I thought he was okay, but there was a clear, clear deficiency of MMA knowledge. Just really, really bad. That class size thing, it was hard to see. At, at the time I was watching, I was like, what the fuck happened there? there Maybe bad camera angle or something. I, I I would forgive him for that, but there was other things as well. Um, I think DC is, is terrible in the three-man boot because he just tries to make too much of a laugh of it and talks too much, and there's other people just sitting there doing nothing. But I think him with just one other guy on the fight night cards is good because I think he f- he can just keep talking, and then the, the other play-by-play, the play-by-play guy doesn't really have to say much. So I, I like him in that. I thought he was very good. I'd like to hear him again just do it by himself on a fight night situation. I think Paul Felder is fantastic. I think he's really, really good, uh, and I think he'll keep improving. I think he could be the the... the uh, the pay-per-view guy in a while but the problem with all of these guys is that they're still fighting you know and, and that's a big issue obviously Kenny Florian was an absolute 
Um, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for here? A failure. He was just awful and really, really bad at it. And I'm glad they got rid of him. But he would have been, you know, a guy like him who's just retired would have been perfect. But yeah, they're not going to bring him back. Uh, I thought Brendan Fitzgerald was good as well. I think his MMA knowledge is far superior than Dan Helly as well. Although I don't think it's, you know, it's obviously he can't be up the par yet. But I thought he was good. I thought his play-by-play was good as well. Um, so yeah, I'd like to hear him again. I definitely think if if they're only keeping one of them, I think that Brendan Fitzgerald is a guy to keep. I thought he was good. Uh, and Anik and Rogan, yeah, were pretty good as well. I mi- I didn't miss the three man boot to be honest in the pay per view ones, but I think it should be Dominic Cruz and not not uh, DC. I think Dominic Cruz is is the best commentator to have to be honest. And I know yeah. he's he's out injured at the moment. Maybe that's the reason why he's not coming in. But I think the best thing about Dominic Cruz is even when he's with Rogan, who's kind of like the, the kind of respected guy in the booth. He's kind of like he's been there a long time. He doesn't. He has no problem disagreeing with Rogan or correcting mm-hmm. something that Rogan has said. And I think Rogan even appreciates that nearly. Yeah. Like Rogan work really well together the two of them. I think Dominic Cruz is absolutely brilliant. He puts in a lot of research, a lot of work. He's obviously he's he's one of the best fighters uh, of all time. Probably he's one of the best yeah. fighters around. So he has he has the knowledge uh, there. He doesn't have to. He acts as if he's media during during press week. He goes to media days, talks to the fighters, puts the effort in. Like I think it, it shows true. And I think I think he will be the best. And maybe maybe his retirement isn't that far away. If he keeps getting injured, like if, there'll probably come a point where where he just he just calls it a day. Um, as you say, it's kind of you know they're going into training camps. They got commitments. That they've got fights coming up. So it, 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 I'd like to I'd like to see them settle on 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 like a pay-per-view trio or pay-per-view uh, duo and stick with it as much as possible. But it's kind of hard when you, as you say, when you have like people like Cormier, Dominic Cruz and Felder who are all active fighters, it's hard to, it's hard to be consistent. Yeah, I agree with that. Interesting to see how that goes uh, over the next while. They should get that, they should get that self-defense expert in though. And oh. like, she can tell us all about the slot machine and uh, uh, how to get out of rear chokes. Just, it seems very easy. I did, didn't know. Why don't people use that in MMA? Exactly. Get her in there. You just elbow them in the elbow in the hip bone. She should be like backstage after the fights, telling us how to, you know, how to look at that calf slicer from last week, telling us exactly how that went down. You know. That would have been, uh, have been excellent. Right, let's move on here. Before we get to the UFC, let's talk about the Bellator Bama card next week. Um, not a not a bad card at all. Michael McDonald is making his Bama debut, I believe, as is Valerie Letourneau against two people I've never heard of. Uh, James Thompson is taking on Philip DeFries as well in an interesting or uh, fun heavyweight fight. Anyway, Lewis Mark, uh, Monarch versus Jeremy Beatley, which I believe Sean Sheehan broke. There you go. Um, and then the Bama portion as well, which you have Reese McKee, obviously Ireland's own Reese McKee. Uh, on that, uh, Aaron Chalmers seems as like well. a tough matchup for him as well. Yeah. Uh, looking at your man's record, you have you have Aaron Chalmers, which obviously brings eyes to uh, people seem don't seem to like Aaron Chalmers being on the card. But I think uh, as a fighter and a, um, as a fan of these small promotions, you should want more eyes. And people people like Fabian Edwards, who was fighting right before, will will reap the benefits of of the eyes being on, on on the card because of Chalmers. So I, I think it makes perfect sense. And I think uh, I think putting somebody, a, a massive uber prospect like Fabian Edwards on the card right before him is, is the exact right move. Yeah, look, you know, we've talked about Chalmers before. I don't think he's, I don't think he's doing any harm, to be honest. Uh, I know, like, there's the people say, oh, you know, these guys are, they find it very hard to get fights. They're not getting paid enough. How is that Chalmers' fault? Like, I think that Bama should improve that. 
but that's a separate thing i think i think the fact as you said there chalmers is there people will be tuning in to see him might see the fight after him might see see the fight before him uh, and that's good but i definitely think bama and all the you know cage warriors all of them have you know maybe not cage warriors as such but they have a lot of these promotions have problems even the up to the ufc have problems getting you know getting fighters uh fights and stuff like that uh and bama definitely probably more than anyone with the likes of recent key and paul redmond and stuff although they you know they pulled through in the end for both of them but um yeah I, I tend to agree with that your boy your boy fabian edwards i know you're you're huge on him you think he's a huge prospect and he's probably the one to look out for with reese in this card yeah yeah he's like he's uh People probably heard of Leon Edwards, who's who's uh, UFC welterweight and has some some very good wins in the, in in the UFC against Tumanov, especially. And um, his brother, I think he was ten or twelve, and I was an amateur against against good good other like he wasn't he wasn't fighting bums, he was fighting other undefeated amateurs and guys who had seven, eight, nine nine amateur fights, and he was just he just looked absolutely brilliant. He went through them all. I think I think he went to a decision once, and he just uh, finished everybody else and. Since he turned pro, he has a first round knee knockout and a second round choke knock, uh, finish against Aaron Kennedy. Uh, so I, I think I think he's he's really is one to watch. And I think once he gets to maybe six or six and now he's going to be snapped up by by Bellator or by the UFC. I think Bellator, if they want to get him, they'd want to get they'd want to use their Bama connection now to to get him locked down. But maybe he doesn't want that. He he looks at his brother Leon in, in the UFC uh, doing really well and. He maybe wants to do that too. It's hard to know, but uh, Bellator would 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 want to would want to move quick if they want to get him. Mm-hmm. And and for East as well, obviously, you know he's not had the great the greatest of years in 2017, losing to Tim Barnett, obviously, and then drawing with Richie Smullen in, in a great fight of the year contender as well. So he'd be he it's a big one for him, isn't it, to get back into winning ways? Yeah, no, it is. It's uh it's obviously disappointing that his his fight fell apart at the at the Dublin Bama Bellator Cup promotion. And he he he's, says he's been he's done several camps without fighting, so he's looking to get back in there. He's raring to go, and the guy he's fighting his only loss is Daniel Crawford, who who is really really good. I think Darren Crawford is ten and one. Um, yeah, Daniel Crawford's ten and one, and he's beating people like Damian Lapalus, finishing people like Damian Lapalus. So, uh, and Ronnie Mann he finished as well. So this guy's no joke. This this guy yeah, Daniel Crawford's no joke, and. If that's the only loss in your record, that's not to be sniffed at. So, I, uh, um, people mightn't have heard of it. Uh, mightn't have heard of uh, how do you pronounce his name? Expo, uh, Cam's Expo. Expo, yeah. Expo. Um, but I think I think he, looking at his record and looking at the the, the quality of the fighters he's fighting, he looks like he he's definitely not going to be uh, any pushover. I think um, mm-hmm. another fight to mention on the card is probably Colin Fletcher and Anthony Dizzy. Yeah. I think people remember Fletcher. I think Bama would like Fletcher to get a few wins, maybe, and then they could kind of put him in a fight with maybe Reds or something like that. Like I think, uh, I think he still has name value. He's like you know the freak show kind of monarch or the kind of show he puts on is is memorable. I think people, even though maybe tough smashes, the Ultimate Fighter smashes at Norman Park one is is kind of forgotten at this stage. I think people remember uh, Colin Colin Fletcher from that. Maybe casuals. If if you mention uh, if if people are if like a friend of yours who's not not a hardcore fan is asking oh what fights are on and you mentioned Colin Fletcher that that sh- they have a bit of interest in that so I think I think uh, Bama Bama would be hoping he wins and they can kind of make make uh, I, don't, I don't I don't think he's top caliber so I think they can kind of make names of, of him if uh, if the jigsaw falls into place. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Just on last week as well, Bellator had a card. Uh, Rafael Carvalho beat Alessio Sakara to retain his uh, 
his middleweight, I believe, for middleweight while it was. But Irish interest, obviously, Yuka, uh, Luka Jelic from SPG Ireland was fighting uh, veteran Brandon Gritz and got knocked out in the first round. Uh, it was a very, very good knockout for Brandon Gritz. Hit him with a beautiful overhand left. Seemed to hit him with one shot to the back of the head, then on the ground with ground bound, and then hit him with a, two or three more beautiful shots and knocked him out out cold but i know you're and a lot of people around ireland as well are big on are big on luca and i think a lot of people coming into this fight and uh, grab back hitman over on twitter and stuff for saying it and it was it was a pretty violent fight for as long as he lasted but uh i'd say he'll be back again ah uh, yeah i'd say he'll be back yeah um it was unfortunate the way it went down but uh, for luca but um like when if somebody gets hit in the back of the head in a kind of mad frenzy it, it's not really oh like it's not egregious it's not like the, the will if people saw the will flurry um EFC, the fighter, mm-hmm. kind of like a, a ultimate fighter kind of type show for EFC. Uh, he got hit repeatedly going, while going for a takedown. He got hit repeatedly uh, in the back of the head with elbows. And even after the ref tried to stop it, he got hit with a few elbows in the back of the head. So that, that's, I think that's completely different. I think when one shot strays to the back of the head in like a, in like a flurry, when you're trying to finish somebody, it's not, it's not a, it's nowhere near the same and it's, it's not egregious at all. 100%. Right. Let's move on to next week's card, which is, Filthy Bob Lawler taking on Rafael Dos Anjos uh, at Welterweight in the main event. Um, this card is going to obviously be on in um, in the Bell Centre in Winnipeg in, in uh, Manitoba, Canada, I believe. Uh, how do you see this one going? Lawler, like, you know, I definitely would have picked him over Aurier a couple of years ago, but I think being in these wars, even though he, he won the one with... with um, with He won both of them against Condit and against Lawler. He took a lot of damage... And he took a he took a big knockout against Tyron Woodley, and then even in the Cerrone fight, I uh, I thought he won the fight, but I thought it was very close. And I and I've never been that high on on Don Cerrone. I think I think time and damage is, is catching up with, with with Lawler, and I have a strange feeling, a funny feeling that uh, that ODA is going to win this. Yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from. I think that Cerrone fight was a good kind of warm-up fight to come back after a year out the cage after a big knockout. And I think he was wise to take the year out the cage. I think this is the fight where we can tell if he is falling off a cliff or if he is still hanging on to, you know, his... I, I would call it his prime, probably, even though he's been fighting for a very, very long time. I think he was in, obviously, the best stretch, as you mentioned, the, the McDonald, the couple of fights against him and the couple of fights against uh, Johnny Hendricks as well, even though he lost one and Carlos Condit, Matt Brown, and those as well. <clears throat> and, and I think it's, it is interesting. I wouldn't... I definitely wouldn't rule Rafael Dos Anjos out, but I think... I think Lawler will be able to take his power. I think he'll be able to, to walk him down. Um, and I think he'll have enough power to hurt him. I think, this, you know, Tony Ferguson, not a great guy with, with power to hurt him. I think over a decision, he's, he's very good. Like, Safety, no power. Damien or Neil Magny, not great power. Even if you look back at the likes of Cerrone and, and Pedersen, never really fought a big, big hitter like like uh, Robbie Lawler, who'll keep coming forward, you know, like an absolute juggernaut and, and just take you apart piece by piece. And I think if, if this fight goes to the third, fourth, fifth, I think... Robbie Lawler will end up winning it there. Um, the Sanyos early is very, very, um, very dangerous. He hits hard, you know, as you, you know, if that chain is gone for Lawler, uh, he'll test it where in the way that Cerrone wouldn't. Uh, so it's, it's a very, very interesting fight. I do think Lawler will win it, uh, but uh, I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. You know, but it's an interesting fight as well because Lawler is a guy who does like to come forward, as I said, a lot of hand fighting, close in fighting, will make it a scrap in the pocket. Dos Anjos can do that as well, but he likes a lot of the time to, to counter and land that big left hand to counter or go for takedowns. You know, he go, goes with that leap and left hook a lot. Uh, and that could, Lala could be susceptible to that coming in, but he's he's pretty good defensively as well for 
someone would favor all but um you know I, I wouldn't be surprised if the sun just did win it uh ricardo lamas in against josh emmett josh Emmett's one of those guys I just can't even remember who he is, to be honest. I know he's looking at his record here. He's he's won 12-1, beat Philippe Arantes in his last fight in the return to, to Federer, uh in, in that card over in Poland, I believe it was. Be, beat Scott Holtzman as well. Um, do you remember him? Yeah, I, yeah. I, he, he hasn't really fought anybody at the level of R- Ricardo Lamas. I, I'm probably not as high on, on Ricardo Lamas or never was as, as some people, but he's definitely a really solid fighter. Um I think this is definitely a, a big step up for Emmett, and I, I'd go with Lamas, but, but like Emmett, two fights ago, lost a split decision to Des Green. I know Desmond Green, he's got a kind of wrestle-heavy style. He's an awkward guy to fight, but uh, I think I think Lamas will be able to do sim- similar things that Des Green did, and, and I know that was a really close fight, the Des Green decision, but I think uh, Lamas's experience and his, his well-roundedness will probably edge it out for him, but... Uh, when guys step up, sometimes they, they, they fight at the level. Some guys fight at the level of their opponent, and this could be a ca- the case there, and it could end up being a close fight. But uh, I'd have to, I'd have to go with Ricardo Lamas. Yeah, two absolute bangers in to close out the main card: Santiago Ponzinibbio against Mike Perry and Glover Teixeira against uh, Mirsha Serkunov. Uh, I, I feel Ponzinibbio will will handle Mike Perry pretty easily. To be honest, I think Perry will be dangerous with big shots early as well. But I think. Ponzinibbio is like a better version of Mike Perry, to be honest. I think he's a big, powerful striker with better technique than Mike Perry. Can't, it could take him down as well. I could see him taking down Perry, take on him or something. I'd be surprised if this fight saw a third round or, or saw a decision. Uh, I think someone's getting knocked clean out here, and I think most likely it'll be Perry. Yeah, I think uh, I think I think I agree. I think Ponzinibbio will win this one. I think he's going he's going to be the bigger man. I think. Um... I think it's when he struggled when people have been able to take him down, and he maybe had a bit of a hole in his game a few, a few, a few years ago in the takedown defense department. But he seems to have shored that up a good bit, and he seems to be coming into his own just as a well-rounded martial artist. So I definitely have to go with him. Yeah, and then glove to share against Sarkanov. Sarkanov obviously was knocked out uh, violently in his. Um... It was his last fight, and it was, yeah, wasn't it? Against Volkan Odemir yeah. uh, in, in short order, um, beat Nikita Krylov before that, and Ian Kutilaba, two guys who I rate very, very highly. So, you know, he's one of the top prospects. If he can come in here and beat Glover Teixeira, you know, he'll be moving up to the top of that division as well. But Glover Teixeira is a guy who does hit hard, you know, when he needs to. When he's prepared right for a fight, Glover Teixeira is very, very hard to beat. He's wrestling as well. One of the most underrated wrestlers, I think, in the yeah. UFC, when, you know, a lot of people think of him as a striker, but I think he's wrestling as well. Um, uh, it's a good fight, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, I'd have to go with Texera with in this one. I think I think Sirkinov kind of uses his grappling dominance to, to win most of his fights. And I think, as you're saying, um, Glover Texera is underrated as a wrestler and he's underrated as a as a submission grappler, as a grappler in general as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, he, he he he's good on the feet as well. He may, he got knocked out violently by Anthony Johnson not so long ago as well. So and and lost a TKO to Gustafsson. But uh, I think his experience and his uh, um, his well-roundedness will be will be too much for Sirkinov. Yeah, I, my, when my picks come out, I'm they'll more likely say Glover Teixeira. But I, I, he's always one of those guys. There's many people I don't really buy into it that much, but he's one of those guys that I like to see on the scale before deciding really if he'll win or not. Uh, if he comes in in good shape and he's been training properly, I think he 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 will win this one. But there's always a chance he doesn't. You know, he's done that a couple of times before, and uh, that you know, Sorkinov is no Morgan and definitely could take him. Uh, other than that, there's some very very good fights in this. Jan Blakovich against Jared Kinnear, I'm very impressed with Kinnear lately 
Blakovich is a, a kind of a tricky veteran. Uh, Darren Stewart is back as well. Chad, Chad Laprise against uh, Galore Bafando. Tim Elliott is fighting. John McDessie against Abel Trujillo. Should fight at night rate and all over it. And the uh, two 40 year old prospects, Jordan Mean against Eric Silva, are fighting as well. Pietro Manga as well. He's making his uh, yeah. his UFC debut. He's undefeated. He, he uh, he's been fighting on the the UK scene. He's fought uh, Richie Edgeworth, uh, Irish guy, back uh, at OMAC years ago. Um, he beat Steve McComb, who's who's another Irish guy. Um, he's fighting Tim Elliott though. Tim Elliott is is like I think we talk we we talk a good bit about Tim Elliott on 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 the uh, the advantages he has at a. Uh, being a big guy for the division and mm-hmm. kind of how he used that against Demetrius Johnson. He actually gave Demetrius Johnson a good bit of trouble uh, with his awkward style and his size and just his kind of, his kind of unorthodoxness. So uh, it's a big test for, for Petro Manga, who's, who's obviously undefeated and it's, it's, it's obviously a big step up. So it's hard to know where, where he is. Like, you know, there's a big difference between Spencer Hewitt and Steve McComb and then Tim Elliott, but, yeah. but he's beaten everybody in front of him. He hasn't been that active, so so maybe maybe it's a bit it's a too big of a fight too quickly. I'd probably I'd probably go with Elliot, but when guys are undefeated, they have a kind of um, a, a different belief. They're kind of they think they're unbeatable. They think they're bulletproof. So I think confidence is a massive part of it, and the mental mind frame is a massive part of it as well. But I definitely I definitely pick uh, Tim Elliott if, if if I had to make a pick. Yeah, hundred percent. Right, let's get into the the questions here. The first one from Nakel Day, obviously the Nakel Day Q and A. Here we go. Alistair Overeem will fight for Bellator in two thousand and eighteen. True or false? False. Mm. I'd say false as well. There isn't enough. Uh, there's enough talent in that heavyweight division to give up someone like Overeem. All four women's titles will change hands by the end of two thousand eighteen. So let's think about that. Rosanami Yunus, uh, Chris Cyborg. Uh, uh, um, Amanda Nunes and Nico Montano. I think two of them will change. I don't think Cyborg's getting beaten by anyone, so that's a false from me. Yeah, I think false as well. Josie Aldo will move up to 155 pounds for his next fight. Whew. Um, his next fight. Um, false. I'd say true. I think he will. I think that Pettis fight maybe now would, would make sense. Maybe, you know, talked about that for a long while and it never happened. So I think I has been talking about it, moving up for so long and it hasn't happened that I'll just kind of in the I'll believe when I see it kind of thing. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, Brian Ortega will beat Max Holloway in 2018. False. Yeah, I'd say false as well. Any belt at one weight class in the UFC will change hands at least three times in 2018. Oh, any belt. Hmm. Um, three times. Mm. False. False. False as well. You wouldn't know that flyweight belt. Anyone could win that. Robbie Lawler will stop RDA on Saturday. True for me. False. The winner of Perry versus Ponzinibbio will face Darren Till in his next fight. I'm going to go with true for that one. True. Yeah, true. <clears throat> right. Let's get to your questions. Uh, Shane at Shane KSE85 away in a changer. Kylan tonight is his uh, username now at the moment. <laughs> Which of these three hypothetical MMA weight classes would be the worst? Super heavyweight two plus two sixty five, cruiserweight two hundred five to two thirty, or women's lightweight obviously one fifty five. Which would be the worst? Super heavyweight. Uh, I think. Uh, imagine Brock Lesnar against Francis Ngannou at super heavyweight though. 
It'd be a very, very thin division, though. It's already a, it would ruin heavyweight as well. So it would yeah. have a knock-on effect of ruining. It would have make mm-hmm. two shit divisions. Yeah. Okay, but is it, you could still make a good division out of it. Same, I think for cruiserweight, like you could make Cormier and Jones a cruiserweight, or um, you know, two or five to thirty steep. I could go down there. What about women's women's lightweight? There be no one like you could have Cyborg and no one else, basically. Yeah, oh, but yeah. if you like, people are talking about how dangerous weight cutting is, and then you're going to put in a thing that makes a bunch of heavyweight guys cut down their weight. I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, MMA, or, uh, Mr. Podge, sorry, add one, Mr. Podge, friend of the podcast, great man, give him a follow over on Twitter. Um, do you think GSP will fight again? Uh, he quotes a, a, my tweet about the colitis that obviously Darren Fletcher had and stuff. Uh, an awful condition for a fighter to have. Could you see GSP retiring because of this? Depends how bad it is, really. Um, it's hard to know. It's hard to know how bad it is, but I, no, I think he'll be back. I think he'll be back. Yeah, he's going to fight McGregor. There's a lot of money on the uh, table. Yeah. Wally Frogmore asks, is Lauren being called Barb multiple times the best thing to come out of this season? That was absolutely hilarious. And the fact that Daniel Cormier called her Barb as well was just yeah, so that was, I actually didn't see it on the... Uh, I didn't see it on... I didn't watch most of the Jasmine yeah. Fighter, but I saw the, the Cormier thing and... Um, yeah, if the, if that's the funniest thing to come out of the thing, then it shows how poor tough it is these days. Mm-hmm. Mr. Podge also asked about um, Donald Cerrone plans to return to lightweight. Damon Martin reported. Do you think it's a good move for him? Um, yeah, I think I think he, he can if he, if he wants to take short notice fights, he should probably take them a uh, welterweight. But if he's going to do proper camps, I think uh, he can make one fifty five without too much with too much problem. So yeah, I think that's probably a good move. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, Nobbler at Nobs11 from the podcast. Well, can, is Max Holloway on his way to the pound for pound number one, he asks? No, no. Uh, Farrell Connolly from the podcast. Well, at Farrell Connolly, uh, he talks about Nate Diaz versus Justin Gaethje. Who do you think would win that? Who's the better zombie? Diaz. Diaz win that. Yeah, I think Diaz would win that as well. Uh, no leg kicks. <laughs> Yeah, like that—that uh, that is actually a good point. Yeah, uh, Mr. Podge again. Who do you rank as the best referee? Is Herb in the top five? Goddard versus Big John for the title. I think Mark Goddard is the best, followed by Big John. Uh, I think Herb has fallen down. I think he's been horrendous for like the last year. He's made so many mistakes. Um, yeah, but, um, yeah. Herb's had a bad has a had, had a bad run, and he, he especially or recently comes to mind. UC two and eighty had a few. He had a few incidents where he kind of. As we talked about, he warned a fighter for timidity, even though there was no timidity. And stuff like that is just getting getting a fighter being able to get into your head and get, get you to make a bad decision by just throwing his hands down and giving out is not a good sign. But obviously, Herb refs a lot, a lot of fights, and you, you don't really notice a ref when they do a good job. So he's definitely a really good referee still. But yeah, I think, I think I'd think i probably go with John McCarthy being the best. But uh, I think... I think yeah, Mark Goddard's definitely right up there. Yeah, Jason Herzog as well. I think is a is a good referee. Eve Levine at times can make mistakes, but I think generally he's a good referee as well. And John has improved an awful lot as well. Dan Mergliata. I think he was a guy who made lots and lots of mistakes before, but I think recently yeah. not as much. I, I think he's he's yeah. turned into a good referee recently yeah. as well. We haven't been talking about uh, Big Dan. It's, it's obviously a good sign because you really only talk about refs when something when something bad happens or. The odd time, maybe if it's a really good stoppage or they do something particularly good, then you might mention them. But we haven't, we haven't complained. We haven't seen anybody complaining about uh, Big Dan, or we haven't, we haven't, uh, we haven't complained about him ourselves, which is which is a good sign. So yeah, he's been doing a good job. Uh, Adrian Stanton asks about Megan Anderson making her UFC debut, and the Park card to be a good placement for her. Yeah, that makes sense to me. You know, she's they need to build her up as the next opponent for Cyborg. Seems like 
it seems like she hasn't been heard of in ages and ages after looking like she was she was given that cyborg fight wasn't she at one stage yeah, she pulled out didn't she yeah um, very odd i don't know what to Okay, she's known. She's she's known to the hardcores, but even even people who are will consider themselves MMA fans don't watch Invicta. Most of them, anyway. Mm-hmm. So they definitely need to they need to put her in a couple of fights. Uh, she had never she hasn't even fought the UC yet. So I think get her a couple of couple of wins, and then then look at putting her in a title shot against maybe Cyborg or Home or whoever whoever's at the top when when they when they do work her way when she does work her way up. Yeah. Uh, Gary Doyle asks, at G Doyler, uh, worth to mention the podcast has not strictly MMA related, but have you seen the video of Keaton Jones that Dana shared and the response from the UFC fighters? Did you see that? It was uh, this young lad, um, yeah, I saw that, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was nice. I think Dana White was actually one of the first people to put it out, and then he, you know, obviously the UFC got a lot of fighters and stuff to, to go put it in, so I thought that was very nice from them, and I think they're good people to do it as well, uh, because obviously, you know teach kids confidence and stuff and you know martial arts have been very good for people getting bullied down through the years you know George St. Pierre probably being the biggest example of it you know um, and I thought they were good I, a lot of people kind of jumping on it then you know it became one of those internet things and it was a bit weird but I thought the UFC handled it very very well and as uh, as Gary says you know we criticise them an awful lot but they deserve uh, praise for that and I, I'd agree with that uh, 100% yeah definitely you know the, um, it's hard to it's hard to say a bad word about what, what Dana did there like you know a lot of people criticise Dana no matter what he does but I you can't yeah. really criticize him for that. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh Kieran Flynn at Kieran O'Flynn too. Uh Chad Mendes versus Matt Holloway. How do you think uh how how do you think they'd style up? He says hey, Chad Mendes must be coming back pretty soon now. He's gonna be there thereabouts as well, isn't he? In that division. Yeah, oh, and this could be wrong, but for some reason I have he's back in March in, in, in my head, but you'd have to double check that or that could have just be completely made up. But uh, yeah, I think he's back soon, and I think a couple of years out, Max Holloway's been getting a lot better in them two years. I don't know what Chad Mendes has been doing. Maybe he's been in the gym the whole time, or maybe he's been off hunting or whatever he's been doing. So it, it's it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what he looks like. He, he obviously came off to to a bad bad knock, or he got knocked out by Connor, took a lot of damage in that fight, and then got knocked out very quickly with a kind of half punch against Frank Yeager, which which didn't look good for him. But maybe, maybe the two years out. The first two years they will be good for him, but we just don't know because because a lot t- a lot a lot changes in two years. And when the alpha male fights like Cody Garment and all, I haven't and like the countdowns and all that stuff. I haven't seen Chad Mendes there, but yeah. When when the alpha male lads talk about Chad Mendes, it's all they, I I remember them always saying like, oh, we'd see Chad, you know, the thirteen weeks before his camp or whatever, and then for the rest of the year he'd be gone. We wouldn't see him, and you know? they're very kind of a a family oriented team kind of thing like that, where they everyone comes in and helps each other uh, out for their fights. So haven't heard that you'd you'd likely think Mendes wasn't training that much over the last two years now that could be totally wrong obviously you know someone tweet us and tell us but yeah yeah I'd like to see him get it I don't think Max Holloway straight away but I I do think Chad Mendes is a very good fighter and as you know you were talking about it earlier on the wrestling could still be an issue for Max Holloway you know he hasn't fought a really really good wrestler in a while and I think Chad Mendes is probably the you know, best wrestler in that div- that division. Trying to think, yeah, I don't, yeah, I think he's a better wrestler than than Frank Yeager, even though Frankie, you know, knocked him out and stuff. But yeah, Frankie's like small. top control is probably better. But uh, mm-hmm. actual actual double legs and and shots from Chad Mendes are probably the best in the division. I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree with that. But uh, yeah, down the line, I I think that would be uh would be a good fight. Nobler asks as well. Uh, Michael Johnson at one forty five. Uh, how do you see him getting on first tough first test against Elkins? Oh, is that fight made? That's a, I like that fight. That's a good fight. Yeah, that's a good fight. I actually hadn't heard that either. Um, but um, how do I think he did in there? I think he'll do better than he than he did at uh, lightweight. I think lightweight is obviously really stacked. Um, 
featherweight's pretty good these days, but it's, it's definitely, it's definitely like you know, when Cub Swanson's ranked number four and Lamas is ranked number three, it's different from Barboza and Alvarez who are ranked in them positions in, in 55. So I think if, if you can make the weight, if you can make the weight easily without much, much of a problem, then I think it's a good move. Yep, I think if Darren Elkins beats him, you have to be moving him towards title talk. You know, it's getting it's getting farcical at this stage. You know, people are still not talking Darren about Darren Elkins. Elkins is a good fighter. Darren, he's a good fighter, but I, I don't think it's I don't think it's a disgrace that he hasn't been given a title shot. Or anything. Uh, no, not given a title shot, but moved towards there. Like it, people don't even talk about him. They're giving fucking Frank Edgar a fight after beating a, a taekwondo guy, and you know, come on, best tattoo in MMA as well. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That <laughs> uh, Dara Kelly at Kildara, a uh, friend of the podcast, beautiful Severe May t shirt, severemay.com forward slash merchandise. Mind there. What punishment should be dished out to Jason Knight for the bite uh, or the point deduction? Was a, yeah, was a point deduction enough that he asks? Yeah, well, he's already been punished, hasn't he? Um, yeah, I think the precedent is there that you don't bother punishing as well. So on any kind of egregious fail. So yeah. I, I yeah, I kind of agree with that. Uh, Alan Harper. Biting is like you know, people blow biting out to be this massive barbaric thing, but it's not like kids bite kids. It's, it's like an animalistic thing. It's a it's, it's, it's normal. Fucking normal. Liverpool fan. Typically, I, I, prefer, I, I prefer to be bit on the arm than than loafed in the face or elbowed in the face or whatever. So uh, I don't think it's, uh, people just make it out to be worse than it is. I think scumbag alan harper at alan underscore harper 93 is cub swanson i i think i i know your answer to this one is cub swanson the best fighter in the ufc uh in no. ufc history never to win a title <laughs> i actually saw this question when it came in no definitely not who do you think is the best ufc fighter never to have a title um joseph benavidez yeah he's better he's, he's better is he the best though like khabib's never had one like you know uriah faber yeah, you're right. Faber's never had one. Um, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson's never had one. Like he's way better. Donald uh, Cerrone. Uh, I'd say I'd say Wonderboy's <laughs> a lot better than him. Yeah. Um, um, Alexander Gustafson. Yeah, yeah. Alexander Gustafson. Yeah, exactly. Um, who else? It's hard to... <laughs> well, he's, he's been... uh, Rory McDonald. Yeah, Rory McDonald. Yeah, he's never. Yeah, he was kind of. Everybody kind of assumed he was going to be the champion when he came along. Uh, when he was in nineteen, when he was in the UFC or twenty, he was very young anyway. When he was in the UFC, and people kind of assumed he was going to be the champion when GSP moved on or whatever. But it never happened. He came pretty close a couple of times, but yeah, I think um, probably Stephen Wonderboy Thompson's probably the best. Well, like that's just what come to mind. I'd have to look into it more, but he's definitely better than Cub Swanson, and he's never won, never won the title. Mm. Anthony W at Enlightenment Forty Three asks a very detailed question here about steaks, but basically it goes on to home <laughs> home steak or fresh juicy steak burger. Which which would you prefer? Um, mm, yeah, uh, not the burger. I, I like both of them to be honest. I think steak burgers when you cook them, they kind of they tend to fall away and get a bit small. So for making ones, make them huge. Um. I like both of them to be honest. I have to go for the steak because it's more rare. I have a lot of I have steak burgers maybe twice a week, like, and they're delicious. So I, I think the, ste- I, the steak yesterday and today actually because I bought two and they were delicious. Got them cut specially and all they were beautiful. But yeah, uh, yeah, steak. He asked as well about Joanna parting ways with perfecting athletes. Thoughts on that? What did you think about that? Uh, that was a bit weird. Obviously, if people don't hurt her nutritionist perfect, perfecting athletes. She basically blamed them 
for losing her fight uh, in, you know, in not maybe not as many words, but her, the pictures came out in of her weight cut look, which looked awful. And you know, we'll talk about weight cutting again. We'll was talk about the weight cut over that. Was that, was that oh, yeah, 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 it might have been actually, yeah. But she, I think she was, I don't know if she was going to there or not. But you know, weight cutting's, you know, we talked about it a hundred times, we won't get into that. But what about her kind of blaming perfecting athletes for this? Well, it's hard to know what happened behind the scenes, but uh, it is a, like it's kind of like a untalked about kind of unknown part of the game where this is actually a, the weight cut is a huge is a huge part of the of the fight preparations. Like it's it's like when we, we were filming the, with Conor McGregor, like he actually he actually acts like he's won the fight when he's made weight. He gone around, oh, we did the boys like to the team, and it's such a it's such a big part of the fighting. So if you fuck that up. If you fuck the weight cut up, it massively it can massively affect you in a fight. So maybe it was a particularly bad weight cut, or maybe she's just looking to blame people. It's really hard to know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love when fighters don't say anything after losses like that and don't try to blame people. If you're, you know, if you're splitting up with them, just well, did she come out and say it, or did did, did, did how did it come out that she? Yeah, she let, or maybe, yeah, I don't know actually. I think she did come out and say it, but I, I was listening to all the podcasts I listened to. I don't know. I was listening to someone and you were talking about it, and yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, okay, let's just move on. Uh, Andy Stevenson and Andy ST123 last said, pronounce my question. Um, does the loser of Eric Silva versus Jarmin get cut from the UFC roster? Silva has one and three in his last four, or Mean has lost his last three consecutively. Um, could well be, but you see, haven't really made around the cuts in a while. But you, you never know when you might not turn on Twitter one morning and there might be 25, 35, 50 mm-hmm. people cut, and they the loser that could easily be one of them. But they seem to make cuts in kind of uh, in bulk these days. Mm-hmm. This this is kind of an odd fight because usually guys like these who we're known they're not going to get a title. They usually kind of feed them to someone coming up, and they've done that with Eric Silva and Jordan Mean before to other guys. Um, so I think maybe they could uh, just because for that reason alone that one of them will be kept on as the gatekeeper and one of them will be gone. But both these guys tend to have good fights, tend to lose to to good guys and build them up a bit, and they have names and people like them, and they're you know. I wouldn't be. I'd be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if neither of them got cut, but I think they're probably they're more than likely will. I'd say that the loser of this fight, uh, and I think Silva will probably end up winning it. But you never know. Um, last question: Stuart Hayes at Stu underscore Jitsu underscore. What's your favorite uh, festive slash Christmas treat? He suggests mince pies, Christmas pudding. I, I was out there the other day. I had a bit of. Um, a bit of uh, hot chocolate, and it was absolutely delicious. Can I go for that? Um, I, 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 I actually, I, yeah, I don't know, with marshmallows and stuff. I had mince pie there the other day. I wouldn't be gone them, but it was actually nice enough. But too bad. But I, I think the best treat is just like a box of celebrations that are turned around or something. I think I think I'd probably go for that. But I, I love the Christmas dinner. I love turkey and ham. Yeah, I think celebrations are the best out of like quality street and heroes and, and that stuff as well. So yeah, yeah I'd, I'd probably agree with that. The pink biscuit in USA biscuits as well. That, that that's the one we. Yeah. We th- was it you and me that were talking about this yeah, last yeah, week? Yeah, we were talking about this. Yeah, yeah. If you can't bear a good, what uh, top three biscuits? So, uh, what, what are your favorite biscuits? Ooh, uh, chocolate polos probably. Which ones are the ones though? Are they the like they're the flat ones at the back? They're like the. They're oh, like, no. Oh, unreal. Fucking throw them in the bin. Fucking rotten. Chocolate hobnobs are up there though. Chocolate hobnobs are delicious. Yeah, no digestive. With a bit of chocolate, chocolate digestive. Just normal. Chocolate fingers, white chocolate fingers as well. Oh, yeah, they're lovely. Oh, what, do you like? Uh, do you ever eat uh, normal digestives with not no chocolate on them, with a bit of butter in between them, a little sandwich? 
No, no, I'd, I'd, oh, I'd prefer way prefer a chocolate digestive than than a plain. Uh, digestive. So, so would I, but you have to try it out. You know, I'll have to try that out. Uh, bourbon cream, custard cream, delicious. All beautiful. All yeah, beautiful. boxes have some very nice uh, biscuits as well. Just kind of, I can't remember the names of them, but they have some very nice biscuits. That tin of, of Fox's biscuits is is very good. Yeah, hundred percent. Shout out as well before we go to Alan Horn at hashtag Horn who uh, who won a medal. Uh, at the, I believe it was a BJJ competition anyway, I think it was one of the, the national competitions over the weekend, he started uh, BJJ after listening to Severe Maypod and he listened to Andrew talk shite about it and stuff as well, so fair play to him, congratulations to you Alan uh, well done uh, so there you go, that's it, Merry Christmas everyone we're, what are we now, the 11th of December so it's coming up close it's very to Christmas. controversial, it's not happy holidays, you got you got to oh, be very PC these days Sean, oh, you're going to get you, some American snowflake is going to come after you Oh god, I hate that so much. I'm not, I don't really care about things like that. You know, people let people say what they say, let them have their opinion. But that one really annoys me. Like, like what? Oh, like I don't believe in God. I'm not. I wouldn't call myself like a Christian or a Catholic or anything like that. And I, I like, why would I get offended by it? Like, if people want to have, well, these people know, are looking for things to get offended yeah, by. Yeah, exactly. Like little lives. Those are the people who like came up with it and stuff. And it's like about Jesus Christ. That's why it's called Christmas. Like, so like there was a person called Jesus Christ. Like. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, no, there was. He he existed Aaron, anyway. What do you no believe? Bible spoilers. I haven't read it yet. Relax over there. I'm not spoiling <laughs> Game of Thrones or Harry Potter for you. Come on, like, you, you, you see my Game of Thrones T-shirt? Actually, my Let It Snow T-shirt. Absolutely beautiful. No, I don't watch Game of Thrones. Ah, you need to start watching it. Winter is coming. Need to do anything. Winter is coming, Graham. <laughs> anyway, thank you all for listening. This is like a. How long is this podcast? Like one hour, 45 minutes or something? It's a long one anyway. It's the long, longest one we've had in a while. Uh, thanks everyone for, for listening. Please give us a follow. Uh, at Severe MMA. Graham is over on Twitter. Uh, at Shanshi and Ba. I am follow Severe MMA. I think it's Severe MMA. Come on Facebook where you find it if you look for, oh, for yeah. Severe MMA. Um, give me a follow as well on Facebook, please. I'm nearly at a thousand followers now. So tell people about it. Shanshi and MMA. Tweet out the podcast as well. Put it on your Facebook, Instagram, everything like that. Uh, and we'll give you a, a retweet and stuff like that. At Severe MMA Pod. Severe MMA Podcast at gmail.com. SevereMMA.com forward slash merchandise to buy t-shirts. Help us out. Christmas period coming up. Buy, buy something for your, your little brother or something. Severe MMA t-shirt. Graham, anything else? Yeah, we're, we're actually uh, updating the Instagram, the Severe MMA Instagram a bit more these days. So uh, it, was, it was a bit sparse over the years, but we're, we're putting a bit of effort into it now. So if, you, if you're not following... Uh, uh, us on Instagram, it's at Severe MMA. I believe there's a few giveaways coming up as well. Will we, should we, should we yeah, get one we'll, of them out before Christmas? Um, maybe. Yeah, no. At me on on Twitter, and if enough people at me, I'll, I'll do one before Christmas. We'll give away a, a movie poster, a, a, a Conor McGregor notorious movie poster on Instagram. Yeah, very, uh, very. But like, very if, you, if, you, if, if if you enjoy Niall being slagged, uh, Instagram stories on a. On uh, on the Severe MMA Instagram will be your your go to place if uh, if you're bored over Christmas. Hundred percent. You can follow me on Instagram as well. Actually, Sean Sheen BA. If you love watching lads post pictures of food that are delicious. So there you go. SevereMMA.com. Check it out this week. All my picks will be up and stuff during the week for it. Uh, but until then, here we go. Inspirational quote: Don't try to fit in when you were born to stand out. We'll see you next Tuesday or Monday. Or maybe some that.